Welcome to our cult, I mean uh, podcast, I'm Jason. <laughs> and I'm Rima. This is Legion Podcast episode 20. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. I'm so, so glad excited. to be back. Yeah, I just binged the first two seasons over the last like week and a half to get it all, you know, back in my head and mm-hmm. just totally reinforced A, how much I love this show and B, how grody that ending was. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that that season two finale just kind of leaves you with a bad taste in your mouth yeah. a little bit. But but aside from that, I like you. I didn't binge it all in a week, but I took like the whole month of June and mm. watched uh, seasons uh, one and two. And yeah, it it definitely you know brought back the love for it. Um, and, yeah. You know, and oh my gosh, this episode I'm really excited so excited for it to be back and really excited to talk about it because it was so good right me too i'm so happy it's on now that i've binged all the ones that i've seen before and gotten you know seen some things that i didn't notice before but just refresh myself on how great it was and then to have a new fresh one to watch now is awesome to get new content so i'm excited before we get into this week's episode i just wanted to mention speaking of cult leaders that this is a joint production with bald move and aaron is going to be joining us next week and every week thereafter cool a Ron Hubbard. So um, <laughs> this, you this week, call him that? that's what he calls himself. Does he really? It is. Yeah. Jim Jones. <laughs> and this week you can hear Aaron's thoughts on the season three premiere on their Bald Move TV podcast. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And you can also just search for Bald Move TV wherever you get podcasts. So if you want to know what he thinks about the pilot, then he'll be on with us after that. So I'm let's excited. get into our top five highlights. It's our top five highlights for Legion season three, episode one, chapter 20. Before we do, I wanted to just reiterate why we do a top five highlights instead of just going through scene by scene. And I like that because we can make these connections that span across the episode, like talk about thematic things or stylistic or character arcs, things like that. And also it just feels a little bit more how people normally talk about something. Like we wouldn't be like, Hey, what'd you think about Legion last night? What'd you think about that first thing? Okay. What about the second scene and the third scene? Don't talk about the end. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I just, I just like that. It's interesting. And it kind of fits with Legion because Legion can be so uh, chaotic and not a nonlinear. Um, it's actually harder to prepare because I, you know, we take notes for the whole episode and then once we're done with that, we rearrange them into these topics. But I, I just feel like it's more, it's an interesting way to do it. So now that that's all said, what did you think? You like, you really liked it. In I general. really, really liked this episode. I thought it was a really great way to start it off. I thought that it had all of Holly's best traits with his inventiveness questions of morality and blasts of fun sprinkled throughout. Mm-hmm. 
and also really dark violence too. Yes. It can be like kind of cartoony fun and then somebody gets imploded and blood spurts out. Yes. Somebody can get burned and singed in a wall or um you know, shot in the head with their with a finger gun and, uh, and then there's some cool music. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. It was I thought it was great. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm, I'm happy to be back in this world. I like that we're going in this new direction. I'm a little bummed because it looks like a three act play and in act three, we get to see mm-hmm. David become this uber villain, but mm-hmm. I'm ready for that. So fine. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm kind of okay with it. I think that's, I don't, I don't think this is a redemptive story. So I, yeah. I'm just good. It could be wherever. wrong. It could be. You, you never know. Okay. What's your number five? So my number five, I just want to start with the visuals, because that is what's so great about Legion. Um, And everyone who watches knows that. And I think most really appreciate it, because if you don't, why would you be watching? Because there's so much of it. But this episode did not disappoint. Like the opening scene when Switch is like crawling through that tunnel and she's going through buildings and then like through trees um, I thought that was all beautiful. I really loved that musical sequence that they had when she um, comes through. Mm-hmm. With um, the wardrobe. Yeah, with the or wardrobe. The like hanging clothes, yeah. Yeah, like you're at a dry cleaners or something and all these clothes are shifting all over the uh-huh. place and she squeezes through. It was, <laughs> I loved that. I loved that imagery. I loved the colors, the bright colors of the, of the clothes as she comes through. Um, I loved that we got a musical sequence, you know, straight away. Mm-hmm. I really liked that the, the girl was sitting at the desk and just had this blank look on her face, and then she just slides <laughs> off. It's like, "Hey, come back here!" And then, and then when it looks like uh, Switch is gonna guess wrong or can't th- answer the riddle, they're all just like drifting away, like they're gonna disappear forever. No, no, no! It's the salmon. And then th- you get this really like uplifting musical number that's just a pleasure on, of the ears and a feast for the eyes. And it's like, congratulations. You exactly. Win. <laughs> you answered correctly. You win and you get to go, go through this little tunnel again. But you know, that was like a real band. They're called the super organisms mm-hmm. or super organism. That's the real band. And that's their song that they sang in that sequence. And I, I love it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I, I love that he he got the real band um, to to do that. And oh, those oh were I didn't all realize the, they're on screen. Okay. Cool. Yeah, they're they're on screen. They're in that scene as, as she's turning around as Switch is kind of looking at everybody at those little individual like desks that spin around the room. Those mm-hmm. are all members of the band, um, that super organism band. And they when they're playing those instruments, that's really them. And that girl that sings is really the singer. Um, so I, I love that Noah Hawley got them and of course it the song totally fit right so i thought that was, was really about, great yeah the mind and things you want and i don't know i didn't study it too hard but it sounded like it was just trying to be an appealing kind of a dream mental dream song or something yeah it was really good the division three invasion uh when they do invade uh david's home and the fighting sequence in the hallway um, like you said, it was, you know, had had these dark images as well as the funny and light stuff. But you had like David, it, it's, <sighs> I know he's like not supposed to be a, a good guy. He's a bad guy. And I feel almost kind of guilty for 
liking some of the things he does, but I love it when he demonstrates his power because he's so, mm-hmm. so powerful. He's a very powerful mutant. So to see how he can just like wave his hand and like wave the bullets away um, and flip a shelf that lands on people, he can wave his hand and Clark catches on fire there in the hallway. He can, you know, point his finger at someone like a gun and it blows their head off. Um I love that whole fighting sequence. I thought that was great. And when Farouk um, gets kind of like tackled and gets pushed mm-hmm. into By another doorway. Yeah, that, that was really through. great. You know, I wouldn't necessarily at this point just paint David as as a bad guy unless I'm forgetting something. I mean, <laughs> what he did to Sid was was really bad. Yes. Uh, but I don't know if he deserves to be killed Right. You know, I don't think he's yeah. necessarily, I, I really do, like even watching it again, and I know I remember I felt this way last year too, I, I just think the Shadow King poisoned everyone against him. Mm-hmm. And when he saw that, he tried to take it out of Sid's head with his powers. And uh, I didn't approve of that. I understood the impulse to want to do it. And I think that's where David goes wrong. He's so powerful that he'll just use his powers to alter people without a second thought, but he feels like he's doing it for the right reasons. And so it's definitely right. gray area, but it I'm is. not sure yet about uh, that he's earned just kill on sight, you know? No, I don't think he's earned that. I, I, I don't think that they should just, because I, I don't know that the whole good guy bad guy thing is so black and white in this show and that's one thing that makes it really great is you know because division three in my opinion in this show can just as easily or at least in this episode can be just as easily seen as the bad guy they were willing to just kill yeah violent and then just um when they were talking about switch they're like oh okay well we'll kill her too Mm -hmm. i mean they don't know anything about her right they they think that their what their goal is is to protect humanity and and she's collateral damage which is a horrible term and i mean i think you know different people are going to have different kinds of judgment about that kind of behavior and there's validity to all of it uh i really do still think though that farouk is just a bad guy <laughs> yeah well i i do think that he is firmly a bad guy i don't trust him really um but I think that to say for Division Three or to say that David, either one of the good mm-hmm. guys or the bad guys, those are great areas. Farouk, I think, is just straight up bad. I don't think, I think he'll, so. you know, change. But I could be wrong about that. Yeah. But I just don't. I you think can't he's ever take anything for granted on this show because the ground's always shifting. Exactly. Exactly. But I thought all of that was really great imagery. The timeline when Switch like creates those doors and she goes into that hallway with um, and it has those timeline visuals with the one hour ago symbols and things yeah. on them. Um, I thought that was really clever and I like those visuals. Really cool, interesting way to represent time travel. Yes, it was so good. And then like the alchemist when he's being yanked by the giant hook and his teacup spins in the air for like <laughs> yes. a full second. Those are just wonderful. So yeah, just wonderful visuals and just pleasing to the eye, which is what I love about this show. Um, mm-hmm. It's like always at the top of my list just you know, and then some scenes, of course, you're looking at and you're like, you're, it's like being high on drugs without the side effects. So <laughs> that's that's a fun part of it for me. But that's my top. That's my number five. Yeah, the the hook um, I really thought was fun and funny. And then I love that we see it from another perspective later. <laughs> Cl- uh, Sydney goes, Clark, I see him. Get the hook. And- <laughs> <laughs> like it's a real thing. Like get the hook. Yeah, right. It wasn't just some 
thing that they don't explain. Uh, but I, uh, that kind of a thing in this show to me is just sort of showcasing that it has this freewheeling attitude and it's like a statement saying, no need to think about this too logically. We're having fun here. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> like we can just put little things that if you are thinking about it as something in the real world would not make sense at all, but it's more like a, a symphony or something. Exactly. Or a poem or something. Okay. That. My number five is, is David's cult. And I really dig that they're going in the direction of a cult because I've always been fascinated with cults. Mm-hmm. Same. And I think too that uh, the way a cult operates, the dynamics of the cult, the reason people are attracted to it, and all of that is so related to people's psychology and their mental state and preying on psychological weaknesses with the promise of feeling better and all of the kinds of things that are perfect for this show, which deals with your state of mind and, you know, mental issues and things like that. So it is a great direction and, and perfect if you're going to turn David into a villain this season to have him be a cult leader. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and and I think it makes sense for David because last season, you know, what really tripped him up was he realized that he was trying to prove to himself that he was a good person. I'm a good person. I deserve love. Mm-hmm. And that's where it, 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 at the end, it, it, he suddenly that was thrown into huge doubt because Sid didn't trust him anymore. And then it made it seem like, oh, maybe this whole thing was Sid was just for him to fill up this void and it was more about him than it was about her. And it was a narcissistic kind of thing. And as a cult leader, uh, he switch asks him, what is this place? He says, people have their pain. Their hearts are sad. Their minds are tired. I help them. All I ask is that they stay and keep me company after take care of the house, love each other. I need that love. So if he's being at all honest there, it's still on a grander scale about creating all this love, you know, this Mm -hmm. system where he can get everyone's love. Yep. And it's working. Like people are saying things like his thoughts are magic, light years from home. It's prayers mixed with dreams. His spirit is the music and the word. So it's just feeding into, into that. But, uh, as we all know, these things never end well. (laughs) (laughs) No. Like history tells us. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you've been following this whole Nexium Nexium. thing. Yep. With Keith Ranieri, who had this, what turned into a sex cult and he fled to Mexico with a bunch of girls from the cult and the feds tracked him down and marched him out at gunpoint. And now he's in jail and on trial. And, uh, I don't know. I I could totally imagine it going something like that. I I think already he comes out in the way he's speaking to switch, have some tea, you know, he's kind of seems smooth, but to me Mm -hmm. it reminded me of last season when he was exploring Sid's mind and he was challenged with trying to figure her out and he kept coming up with the wrong answers. And she said, no, try again. And he was like, one time he said, oh, I know what this is. You're afraid that if I see how you really are, I'm not going to love you. And he sounds kind of like he's trying to be paternal and um, comforting, but it's just comes out douchey. Yeah. Well, it's like he was trying really hard to say the right things. Like he thought that's what she wanted to hear. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's also like he's, he's acting like he's uh, – 
the answer to this person's prayers, you know, like mm-hmm. he's all that basically. Yeah, very narcissistic. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also like a lot of cult leaders, he's paranoid about his enemies, but now he's actually right because D3 is is out to kill him. Yeah. And uh, anyway, it makes sense that he would create this cult to try and get everyone's love and also to create this group of people who he can sow this paranoia of division three, the forces of division and try to help have them help protect him, which they were, like you said, they pushed shadow King out of the way and everything like that. And so what it ends up being is this big love in, which basically is him blissing everyone out with this blue ooze, which is a callback to when, uh, him and back in the Lenny slash Benny days mm-hmm. talking about drugs. Why is it blue? It's always blue. It's always blue, man. <laughs> it's in the, it's in that frog. She puts yeah. the drugs in the frog and the smoke comes out and they're, you know, filling it out there on the, on the floor. <laughs> right. So I think that connection is to say that this is sort of a similar situation where they're all kind of being, you know, they think that they're um, healing, but really they're just being numbed out maybe. And there's this pig with its big teats, which is like yeah. everybody sucking at the teeth of David. Wondering if we're going to talk about that giant pig <laughs> that smoked up. I thought I had to rewind that a few times. I know. Oh. What am I watching? What is that? <laughs> I thought we would see people sucking on the teats, but I don't think they actually were. <laughs> yeah, you didn't like, necessarily have to. You could just, because the smoke was coming out, if you're just hovering. You're, you're going to get it. Yeah, you're going to. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay, what's your number four? My number four uh, is just the introduction to Switch in that whole open sequence that we get with her. Um, so we see that it looks like she lives alone. She may, I guess, have a servant, but she basically lives alone. Her dad visits her at breakfast via a TV, which, mm-hmm. uh, okay, <laughs> that's interesting. I thought, I mean, there's a lot of kind of almost stereotypically when there's not much connection between a parent and a child and they're rich, they Mm -hmm. will show them at opposite ends of a really long dining table. Mm -hmm. But this time is the connection is so lousy that he's not even there. He's just uh, uh, via TV and only for a few seconds. (laughs) Yeah. Very telling, I think, um, this relationship that she apparently has with her dad or lack of relationship, maybe. Um, We find out that he collects robots. Um, And then, you know, because I'm thinking, what is she like an exchange student or something? Why is she living there alone? Why is her father not there or, you know, around? Are they not living? Clearly, I guess, not living in the same home. Uh, We find out that she can time travel. Um, which I'm really interested in. I think it's fascinating, you know, that that she has this power. I am a little bit curious about her power exactly and and what her power actually is. Um, and, and then I think it was really inventive, uh, you know, how these clues are being left for her, that you see pictures of the Vermilion um, and Admiral Fukuyama, and, you know, she's being told to find the preg- pregnant virgin, um, orange fish, look for a yellow bus that isn't yellow. Um, I thought that was interesting. And then I was curious as to why she trusts David and not Farouk when Farouk confronts her. Um, mm-hmm. She seems to be very intuitive. Like she seemed very sure of herself. She seemed to be able to see right through Farouk because like we were kind of saying earlier, we 
you know, and we could be wrong. I could be wrong. I do believe Farouk is definitely a bad guy. No gray area with him at all. I think he's got a lot of people fooled and he's manipulating them. Mm -hmm. But she was able to, first meeting, like, just see right through him. And I was curious, you know, what it is about her, you know, that she can, I, I don't know if it's a part of her you know, power, if she's, she's just that intuitive or she's that street smart and just has that within her to read people or not. Um, but I thought that was interesting that she was able to read him right away. And um, so I liked, and I like her just in general. Um, I, I am always kind of worried when they start introducing new characters. I mean, we're in the third and final season. There's only eight episodes. And I'm like, oh, gosh, now we've got a new character. So I was kind of hesitant. I was just kind of watching. And I was really just with even within just a few minutes in, I was totally fascinated with her. And I was completely on board with her being in the show. I think she's a great fit. Um, so I'm curious what you think about her. Are you sure there's only eight? Yeah. There's oh, only eight. I know. For some reason, I thought there was 13. Well, yeah, let me just go ahead and make my number four about her then. And um, as far as, well, I, w I was trying to figure out why she was there at the cult. Mm -hmm. And um, she says, well, I'm there because you need me because you have this time travel ad, which I love that he just put out like a one ad for a time traveler and it <laughs> right. got answered. <laughs> it's a little, and it's funny because I am judging the writing in that, oh, it's so convenient that she got there right when you finally got killed and then could use her. Like if she would have gotten there at any other time in this series, it wouldn't have mattered, but mm -hmm. just the right moment, but whatever. Um, but then he's like, so how are you? And he keeps asking and I think he's trying to get from her like you know what maybe it's like a, a cult leader would ask that so he can find something that uh, is wrong that he could uh, use to get her feeling like she's dependent on him you but know? he can read her mind that's why i was so curious about that oh, yeah. because he was he told her straight up he's like she's like you know don't what did she say don't you trust me or something or what what about trust and he goes mm tried that yeah. I, i'd rather you know <laughs> i i prefer reading minds or something however that was he, really he funny. said that i know i love that line i, I, like I freaking know i love their lines but he can he still, but i think he wants her to admit it he wants her to say it right yeah yeah maybe, maybe so yeah so that yeah she can be the one to choose to go to, along that path versus him just knowing but i love that because he still seems pretty erratic like he's screaming you know, oh yeah, they used to always tell me, David, don't huff the chemicals <laughs> under the sink. <laughs> like I'm supposed don't to do what? Pretend the voices pills. aren't real. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he doesn't seem like he's totally got it together as a cult leader, but it's really funny. And, and then he sees, uh, she sees him talking to himself literally. Yes. What are you going to do with this one? Give her a weed nib of the blue stuff and sling her in with all the others? Like that made me f sort of question. Okay, are you? Is this all just total bullshit? I mean. What I take that as is he's always got different voices in his head that represent different facets of his psyche. And so there is one psyche that part of his psyche that feels like he's just a pretender, but there may be other parts of him that really want to actually try to help people or at least to try to create this blissful environment that will be good for everybody, you know? Mm-hmm. But well, uh, another part might just be like, no, this is all just bullshit. So you can have people to help protect you from division three or something. I don't know. But anyway, so I, I think, you know, it was 
pretty uh they really harped on her relationship with her father mm-hmm. that they're disconnected and when she tells her father that she's doing perfect in her class in her classes she didn't look very happy and she may have even been lying because when we see her in class she's not even listening to the lecture she's listening to her time travel lessons mm-hmm. and and doodling she's drawing like vermilion or something in her notepad mm-hmm. or whatever yeah and then um you know she she does save David without really knowing him. She saves his life. Mm-hmm. And I don't think she would do that if she was just answering the time travel ad. I think she wants and or needs something from him. And when he asks her if she's all right, she finally starts mentioning that her dad collects those robots and that she, she sometimes pretends she's a robot too. And she tells Farouk she's helping David because he's a man and you're a robot. Mm-hmm. And, so I don't know. I uh, One cool thing about Legion is you, they plant these seeds, but you don't really fully understand them until later on. Yeah. So I think we're going to get more on what this means, but maybe it's something about uh, David's more of a feeling person or an engaging, like there's a connection or humanity there. And she can tell that Farouk is just doesn't have that. It's more about, I don't know, him trying to manipulate something to get what he wants. I don't know. But she also doesn't drink David's tea. Right. So she doesn't fully trust him. I, I think, you know, we're just getting the beginning of the story, but my sense is that she does want help from David uh, with whatever problems have stemmed from her poor relationship with her dad. Right. But I wonder how she, again, I don't know if she just can read something off of him because she doesn't know him or know anything about him. Mm-hmm. Um, so how how does she know that he could even help her? Maybe just because he's been able to transmit these messages to her and, and communi- somehow communicate to her because, you know, he's sending out those messages like the, the radio when you hear Lenny's voice, um, you know, that she's able to pick up on that and that she thinks, oh, well, this person's going to be able to help me with whatever Maybe it's just the whole cult environment and how everybody else seems satisfied, or maybe like it's that sense of belonging. Yeah, or that mm-hmm. she's seen him exhibit this power. I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't really know for sure. I hope we do find out more about that because I was trying to figure out it out too. Why, why did she help him? Why does she trust him? And why does she think she can get what she needs from him? Yeah, I don't think we're going to have those answers today. Like you said, we're only one episode in. And, you know, it's one thing that Noah Hawley, he plants these, you know, little seeds. And and like you said, it's it's, once they all start to add up, then it it presents that that picture. So we're definitely not going to have anything figured Mm -hmm. out um, today. I don't know if that I'll ever have anything figured out, but I definitely (laughs) (laughs) know it's not going to be an episode one. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But sometimes... Yeah, like going back, I'm like, I can be like, oh, yeah, I kind of guessed at that. And then they fleshed it out later. So it's fun to try and see if we can guess and see if we were right. Uh, I did like that after she was talking about, I think it was right after she told Farouk she was helping David because he's a man and you're a robot, that they shift the scene shifted to Carrie making his patonomy robot mm-hmm. with the vermilion yeah. machine standing by. So I don't know if that's going to play later where she'll have some scenes with them and she won't like them or something. Yeah, I wondered about that too um, and the connections there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Four, right? Four? Three. Uh, three. three. 
my number three. So I've talked a little bit about time travel, but I'm just I want to talk about it since that seems to be a going to be a really big part of this particular season and the last season that we have of Legion. Typically, any time that time travel is presented in a show, I just kind of I'm like, oh no. Uh, because <laughs> typically it's going to make your brain well. hurt and, yeah. and and you'll think of uh, things that don't really add up. Exactly. But I thought this was a great representation of time travel in the show. I And I don't know why I doubted Noah Hawley at all. <laughs> um, shame on me. I've learned my lesson. But I think that the introduction of time travel was done. It was very inventive. I thought it had a really great character character building delivery device. I like how he kind of, Holly was kind of avoided the over explaining how the impossible becomes possible. You know, it was just very simplistic and how she's able to just make a door, you know, and then go through a hallway or she could go through the floor. She went through the floor. She used that tray when she was with Farouk, but she's able to, to somehow make a door and then she just go through like, traces it. a rectangle. And yeah. I liked how like the first time we see it, we don't know what the hell is going on, which is you could say that about so many scenes in yes. Legion, <laughs> but she's listening to the radio and it said something like, you know, if you go back and listen, maybe you'll get the message. And then she, all of a sudden we never knew she was a mutant, but she just like traces this blaze across the yeah. air. And you're like, and what then the hell? we realize later that <laughs> what she did was, Oh, okay. I'll just go back and listen to it right now. It made me curious a little bit about her powers. Is is it just that she is able to create the doorway that opens up into this like hallway where we see, you know, the different portals that she can go into like 30 minutes ago, an hour ago, two hours ago, and that she can pick a time to go back to? Or does she actually have the power to time travel? That's what makes me curious. Well, yeah. What I mean, I think... Um she doesn't create two versions of herself, like her time travel lessons, which is a whole nother question. Mm-hmm. Where the hell is she getting that? Exactly. And how did she get them and stuff? But uh, a, it says a good rule of thumb is give yourself a margin of error. You do not want to interrupt the time stream too often, but didn't say why. And um, that makes me think of that rule. Oh, maybe you don't want to meet yourself. But I think the way hers works is, and we saw her rewinding this tape, that it's more like she rewinds to an earlier point in her life and then she can take it again from there. Mm-hmm. So it's al- not almost not like she's going back to where she was and would see herself. It's more like everything just rewinds and then she can keep going a, a different way if she wants. <sighs> that makes sense because you notice how she can also kind of fast forward through boring conversations or she can kind oh, of fast yeah. forward up to a point. So that would At make sense. At least it seemed like that. Yeah. That's right. That would be awesome. Yeah. Oh, that would be awesome. And maybe that's how she's able to not run into herself. Like if she goes back, no, she's, you know, I don't think so because I think she wasn't there. Like, it's like if you, um, I don't know, you just, all of a sudden you just went and we were back to the beginning of this podcast. <laughs> it never happened yet. You know, it's not like there'd be another you there podcasting. Mm. It just, just wouldn't happen. But she does still have memories of, of the future that she she went through Mm -hmm. so um for her that future is kind of her past which i think is one of the things that the time travel lessons said future is past or something oh i love it and see at least this doesn't leave me all confused um i I don't even know for sure if it's this way though because then 
she at one point when they were under attack called to David she started to open a door and she said this way. And so that leads me to think that she can bring someone else in there with her. And if she does, then do they like go appear wherever each one of them was? What if he was in another state 30 minutes ago? Would he just appear there or, or would, would they have been together? And I'm all wrong about how this works. Cause if I'm right, then she needs to appear wherever she was say 30 minutes ago or whatever door she goes through, you know? at least in this episode, it was pretty simple. It was just like, she could rewind back to an earlier point and take and do something different. And she went back an hour the first time and tried to warn David, but it wasn't in time because mm-hmm. he teleported into the middle of the battle, but still got killed. Yep. And then, so then she went back, I think two hours and, um, we don't, we didn't see that part, but then we saw that the whole compound was teleported away. So presumably she was able to get to David and convince him that he needed to get out of there. Mm -hmm. Yep. That was cool too. But anyway, that was, um, that was my number three. All right. Well, I'll just make that the time travel stuff. My number three too. Let me see if there's anything I want to say about it that we didn't already say the whole, the whole, um, I don't know what you would call it. Just the way it was presented with the hallway, I thought was really interesting. And the doorways that say exactly how far back, five, 10, 20, 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. Uh, The whole thing about, uh, you know, it says many factors. uh, One of the time travel lessons says many factors create life's episodes, factors that can't be altered within a finite period. Basically, it's saying you need to go back far enough so that you can actually alter the thing you want to alter. But then it goes on. But at the same time, we do not want to go back too far for the further we go, the more we risk waking the demon. And then later you see that demon waiting down the hall Mm -hmm. with its glowing eyes, which reminded me of early Shadow King. And it was making this weird chicken sound. Yeah. (laughs) And I like that because I, I don't know if this is why Holly did it, but it placed a limitation on the time travel which helps in a time travel story otherwise you'll be saying well why don't you just go further back in the past well because then she'll be eaten by this demon it's an interesting way to limit the power right which we don't always yeah i think so because everything seems so limitless and it's like well Mm -hmm. does that seem real that everything is just limitless because you always ask the question well shoot why didn't they just go back even further and stop that bad thing that just happened or whatever, but we know that she can't do that. And I think the furthest we saw one of those doors was four hours, but she Mm -hmm. got nervous. Yeah. Cause I think that's when she was that when she kind of peered down the hall and you could kind of see that glare and that noise. (laughs) And it did, it reminded me of fruit too. It reminded me of the yellow when um, you saw him in like the, the, the big fat, Farouk or whatever from fat season bastard. one, the fat bastard, <laughs> and had the glowing yellow eyes. And it also reminded me of Farouk's sunglasses that he wears all the time. How the mm. the like um, image of like when a light reflects. Um, yeah, and you can't you can't see into the windows of the soul with that guy. Mm-hmm. The other time travel thing I thought was interesting are these lessons, and the later ones seem practical, but the ones that we heard when she first appeared at the beginning of the episode sounded like a kind of a self-improvement tape, self-help tape or something Mm -hmm. or psychology of time travel. It was things like the present is not just a date. It's a feeling, feel no shame about the past, no anxiety about the future. 
every negative can be changed to a positive once you know how, which sounds like a cool time travel thing to do. Go back and change it. The weird one, nostalgia is your enemy. Don't think of the past while listening to music. That was interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, because you don't want to have a false idealized vision of the past or something like that. I don't know. But um, I thought that was just an indication maybe that she'd been struggling with the implications of these time travel powers and sought help. You know? Yeah. I didn't think she went to the bookstore and looked up time travel madness or something. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I think I must've missed that. It just yeah. really seemed like it was trying to ease her mind about it or at least teach her how to do it in a way that was healthy or effective or something like that. Yeah. It's like last season's life lessons with John Hamm, but now they're Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think we're gonna format. get that this time, right? I think they kind no, of did I think, that and we're done no, with that. No, I think it's yeah, I think I think we're done with that, but I think this is kind of taking its place a little bit, you know, just Mm -hmm. in a different format, different voice and a different subject. Um, If we continue to get it, I mean, we're only in the first episode, right? I don't know if we'll we'll get more of that. Could be a new thing every episode. Yeah. Yeah. And this show just teaches you not to, like I was saying about the hook to not question things too hard. Oh yeah. She found some time travel lessons. Cool. Yeah, of course. Ever doesn't everyone? It's, yeah, it's a world where mutants exist. <laughs> exactly. So that that really is it. It's like, uh, what was the other thing? There was something else. Oh, just the whole time travel want ad. It's like when a world like this exists for a while, you're going to get stuff like this. You're going to get time travel self help and people putting out want ads for mutants and things. You're going to step on a flower that squeaks when you use it. <laughs> Definitely. Squeals. <laughs> and then you're going to suck the ooze out of it and then go into a blissful trance. <laughs> Next time I see a blue flower. <laughs> squeak, squeak. <laughs> All right. Next time. Next week. Yep. I want to do a podcast totally tripped out sometime anyway that's another story okay what's your number two i think this show just does it for me i don't know that i need any anything else when i watch this show but i can't imagine i've read a little bit about um people you know doing drugs while watching this show and i can't imagine really yeah i can't imagine what that would what that experience would be like i feel like just watching it would just seem normal yeah then what fun would that be it wouldn't be just trippy anymore. But anyway, um, that would be an experience. Yeah, you guys should do that. You and Karen should light it up on the next Jason and Karen <laughs> show. We'll get one of those frogs. Yeah, it's always blue. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. My number two, um, we talked a little bit about it, and I could be making too much of it, but the man and robot reference. Um, I'm curious if it will mean anything as the season continues. You know, when Switch says that her dad collects robots, she calls Farouk a robot, says David is a man. And I and I wondered maybe if the word robot is more of a metaphor, not like a literal robot. Yeah. Because we talked about like Farouk being a bad guy. I'm wondering if she's considering him like a, a robot that he can't change, that he'll always be bad. And David being a man can change. And I don't even know if I like that theory or not. I'm just, and I, I'm not sure if I would want David to change or if it's even possible for him to. But, and I could be totally wrong and it's fine. I could be just looking for meaning when there isn't any and confusing things. But I feel like Noah Hawley is really deliberate about what he does. Um, and especially like with his writing mm-hmm. and 
references that he makes in this reference to robots because it kept coming up like the ro- like you said the vermilion the new patonomy um she references robots with her dad she calls Farouk a robot in the end when we finally get the legion card there at the end um it's little robots the, the little yeah like little <laughs> toy robots that say legion and then you see one that looks like switch you know coming across so i feel like it's you know it just it made me curious and i don't expect any answers today of course but i'm just wondering if it's going to mean something moving forward or if we're mm-hmm. going to learn a little bit about maybe what that really means yeah i i don't know either but i think it's probably more of a metaphor kind of like i think of mr spock you know you're so cold and unfeeling and <laughs> <laughs> things like that you yeah. know where it, it, she wants some connection some warmth some humanity but mm-hmm. i don't know not everything fits into that interpretation so yeah we'll see yeah hopefully we'll see i just found it interesting and i'm curious if it'll mean anything moving forward or for just be like nope never gonna hear about it again and it's gonna be okay <laughs> <laughs> maybe i doubt it i think she, this is an important character and it would be pretty weird if she never showed up again or we didn't explore her who knows i'm i i'm like is this whole season just going to be uh david i forgot his name for a second david <laughs> battling d3 i i uh i don't know i mean there's something coming up that i'm gonna mention at the very end but it might be a spoiler so i'll wait but i'm really excited about it anyways can i do my number two yeah that's all that i wanted to say about my number two but or all that i had but i did just find it funny that you forgot david's name when they say it like 20 (laughs) times and i've said david 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 (laughs) and and he's in so much of this show there was one episode last season that he wasn't even in and it was a really good one but but uh uh, now I forgot the actor's name. Dan Stevens. Dan Stevens is so good. He is He's just so good at the. This is like role was made for him. I know. Okay, so I was going to do this one earlier, but I'll slot it in now. It's just the methodology of this cult, and I think for the most part, cults attract vulnerable seekers mm-hmm. with the promise of giving them purpose or making them feel better or stronger in some way and also with especially with david priming them at the same time to do what he wants so we have these signs around town they're cryptic like are you indivisible know yourself own yourself beware the forces of mind control those who would tell you your name who would call an arm a leg a leg they are not your mother not your father that's a little hypocritical because which is typical of cults because they did end up renaming her (laughs) and he's saying beware of those who would tell you your name but uh that's simultaneously a call to hey we can teach you how to be better and also beware of this thing that's my enemy you know Mm -hmm. he's like embedding embedding that in there Mm -hmm. and uh i know other cults do that they have their their enemies that they teach all their members to despise to an unreasonable degree like that and they're mm-hmm. like, find your stable center. Do you want to be whole of mind to body, free from division? Intoxicate yourself, but beware the basket is watching. So he's training them that Fukuyama is this bad guy. And then there's the thing about Vermilion. I, maybe this is actually what caught Switch's eye, actually. It's 
something something would call normal abnormal beware the homogeny of milk the indu- the industrialization of cheese no two cookies are alike unless they're cut from the machine don't trust the mustache the mustache is his eyes and ears he she is everywhere if you see him her which is a comment on their androgyny hold your breath think only of cookies made by hand at home for only they are indivisible actually think now that I think about it, that's probably what caught her eye because that feeds into the whole machine robot coldness kind of a thing versus the warmth and mm-hmm. individualness of humanity or something like that. I like all that. Yeah. Gosh, I forgot so, all that that was said. There was so much. It's all, I mean, these are, this is what's written in on all these posters around town. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I'm talking about sort of his, the methodology and it's very cryptic which gets a person trying to figure it out and so it's like a challenge which can hook you in and then there are these other challenges to overcome these hoops to jump through which make you feel make it like feel like this is an exclusive club and something you have to work to get into so it's a relief when you're on the inside that whole wardrobe maze which was amazing was something that she had to figure out and this whole pregnant virgin riddle and and those symbols they they look like vaginas is that am i (laughs) (laughs) did you see that or am i no i'm failing the rorschach test okay whenever they said pregnant virgin they show that circle with the it to me looked it was an image (laughs) of a woman with her head slightly bowed down a little and a pregnant belly yes you're kidding okay no that look again i I did not see vagina (laughs) okay (laughs) maybe it was because they were talking about pregnant virgins oh the tree like said do it again (laughs) i'm not i'm leaving this in so um anyways the answer is salmon and i looked up salmon At, at least that's what i got out of it the pregnant virgin the orange the orange fish and salmon females lay eggs and then they're fertilized by the males. But the, I don't think the salmon are ever pregnant. They just, they're virgins, I think, because they just lay their eggs. And then the, they come over and sp- sp- spray, spray them their with stuff sperm. all over yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was a particular call towards Switch herself, this whole time traveler ad, the forces of multiplication need you, which is another antithetical to division three painting division as a word meaning this divides you and we're we're about multiplication mm-hmm. but anyway he says resist division do not surrender to regret only you can help us unwrite the past but beware the basket is watching find the orange fish so um and then there was the whole radio uh there was a, she saw a radio station 89.1 or something and mm-hmm. heard that cryptic message and it it was all like a puzzle for her to follow follow the yellow bus but it wasn't even yellow um and uh the bus said on the side aren't you lonely don't you wish the world was simple again another cult's appeal slash promise so this whole thing uh really drew her in and it's hard to get into which makes it even more appealing i think that's true. They don't just open the door for you. Mm-hmm. You you have that kind of stuff. I mean, one reason why I'm fascinated with cults is because this kind of thing. I mean, I flirted on the fringes of groups that were kind of like this, where you all belong to something, and um, 
sometimes there's even you start using a language that other people don't use words and things. And uh, I also think that cults really play into that whole thing about sanity that John Hamm was saying last year about how, you know, humans are the only ones where our whole society agrees on the meaning of something. And so if you don't agree, then you're considered insane. And with a cult, you get sometimes a whole group of people who decide on different meanings of things. And so they seem insane to everybody else outside. But if the whole world decided to agree with a cult, then everybody would just be sane. <laughs> right. It's just really interesting to me. I don't know. It, no, it, rambling, it, it is. I, I'm fascinated by cults and, you know, how they work. And because it's easy to sit back on the outside when you're watching these things. Like, you know, we've talked before um, about, like, the, the Netflix documentary, The Wild Wild West, about the cult over on the West Coast. And, of course, with the whole Nexium thing going on, that's been a big you know, topic mm-hmm. in our group, you know, cults and such. And, you know, it's easy to watch stuff like that from the outside and go, what in the world? How in the world do, right. are you so drawn to this? This is crazy. This is absolutely crazy. But at the same time, I can also see the appeal. I can see both sides of the coin. Yeah. And you can see how it, it's easy to be, you know, kind of drawn in, especially if you're in a vulnerable place. Yeah. And if you're in there feeling really connected to all the people and feeling like you, you're helping other people who were really stuck or feeling shitty and they come to a, an event or a session or something and it's like their whole world opens up and suddenly they're alive again, mm-hmm. then it just it feels really great. But the problem is when it gets so insular and they are so much in their own reality that um, and, and they're taught told not to connect with their family because they'll bring them back to their past unhealthy self. So that mm-hmm. basically means you're cut off from the people who who care about you. And then what often happens is the cult leader gets so full of himself because they're centered on one person that's adored by everybody else in the cult and put up on a pedestal, which would be so much easier to do with somebody like David, who's all powerful that um, they just get full of themselves and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. They just start sleeping with all the women in the cult, taking everybody's money and rationalizing to themselves that it's actually for everybody's own good. But eventually it just feels like a big sickness and it all falls apart. (laughs) Yep. It, it, it doesn't usually last long or end well. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But there's some that are going strong. There's some. All right. Number one. My number one, I wanted to talk a little bit about Farouk. I know we've already kind of discussed him. There may not be too much um, more interesting things that I have to say, but I feel like we shouldn't really trust him at this point. And I feel like he's totally fooling Division Three still, that he has them under his spell. And I was really curious when he intercepted switch and they're in the astral plane and she tells him you know well that why did that blonde kill him and he really seemed surprised by that um and then he later tried to keep sid from going on the mission and i was like well why does he not like they're all out to kill david and he's supposed to be on their side but when he finds out that she's gonna kill him that he seems to try to prevent that from happening. So I thought, what is his goal here? Then if he's trying to prevent them, if he's on their side and they feel that they have to kill David because it's his destiny to kill the world or destroy the world 
and he hasn't even done it yet, but that's, you know, we've talked about that a little bit, that he's basically being punished for crimes he hasn't committed yet, but they're saying that that's his destiny. So he's trying to stop that, and I'm curious why and what his motives are. I mean, I know we're not going to have the answer for that right now, but I want to kind of see how that develops and when to get your thoughts on that, what you picked up from that. Mm. Yeah, I mean, he's talking about how, you know, I'm glad that she referenced that David took advantage of her because I don't want that just forgotten. Mm-hmm. She said, you know, he's not even the first one that took advantage of me. Yeah, right. I assume she's uh, referring to the whole sex after mind wipe thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that to him makes him think, okay, you're doing this because of revenge. And so he's saying, he, he mentions all that love, it doesn't just disappear. It must be transformed into an emotion of equal intensity, mm-hmm. which it sounds true. Like it made me think of how people who are deeply in love can end up just passionately hating each other sometimes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you yeah, know? you just transform it. And I think that's, I think he's a bullshitter, but I think when he says like, that's the law of the universe, I feel that that's probably the one honest thing that he really <laughs> says. I mean, Maybe, yeah. I don't think you just stop. If you truly are really passionately in love with someone, I don't believe that that just goes away. You can maybe be really angry at that person, not want to be with that person, but I don't really believe that you just stop loving that person. I think that maybe that love just translates into another emotion definitive to me like sometimes it can fade away over time it doesn't just automatically all turn to hate but anyway i think he was what he was getting at was that she's too emotional right now and maybe it would be a detriment to the whole thing and i don't know if he really thought you know hey you might mess this up because of how you're how you're feeling and we really want to make sure but the fact is they went in and she's the one who got the shot in and then when they had to do it over again because of the time travel she did it again which was really shocking to see by the way yeah. But um so maybe he was just he thought he was wise cuz he's been around for 2000 years but he was just wrong. Hmm. Maybe that's kind of what it looked like to me but it, maybe there's some other motive that we're not thinking of. Yeah, I don't I know. I think he wants David dead. So I think Really? Uh, I don't either think that he, or he doesn't think, want David. I don't think dead. he wants David dead. <laughs> Remember in season 2 at the end when he was talking about, you know, whenever he's like telling david you can't make someone love you believe me i've tried um because mm-hmm. he said you know i tried tried with you and he called him my my baby yeah that was bullshit it he didn't try to make david love him he tortured him and terrified him his whole life but i think that he's got bigger plans for both of them i think he wants be, to yeah. to somehow yeah. join forces with david i don't think he wants mm-hmm. to to kill him and i think in maybe his own twisted way does somehow care about him um, well, maybe that's why then. Maybe he thought that Sid would actually be the most effective killer, so he was trying to keep her out of it. Yeah. Well, she seemed to be the only one that killed him. And why her? Yeah. Because he was looking at all the other soldiers and everyone coming around and just flicking his wrist and slinging gun you know, fire away from him and you know, flicking people with ease. But then she comes out, and I know that she kind of surprised him. Like She kept shooting him in the back you know, from behind. If you're going to give someone the special gun that actually has the power to kill him and his ex-girlfriend who he has still has feelings for is willing to do it then i think she would be the right one to do because it might trip him up maybe like he wouldn't be expecting sid Mm -hmm. to be the one to pull the trigger yeah it might throw him off guard it was shocking to me like wow yeah it was me too we saw her kill him twice yeah (laughs) 
So my number one is about that whole attack too. And we've talked it mostly out. It was jarring to be, to see shadow King with division three, but the line between friends and enemies is always shifting on the show. And D- division three was, was the bad guys in season one. And then we saw everybody join up with them. So it's interesting how that shifts. Mm-hmm. Um, it was disturbing to see David keep killing Carrie. <laughs> Didn't yeah. I was like, no, don't kill Carrie. <laughs> but hell man, she chopped his arm off. Yeah. What are you going to do? Like that's war, you know? I mean, I, it was disturbing for sure, but he was doing it in self-defense. Yeah. She's bad news. Yeah. But it's hard to see the people that (laughs) rallied around him and helped him in season one. And, you know, then trying to help, you know, kind of figure out what happened there in season two. Where was David and what's going on and with the Shadow King and everything. But they're all still friends and such. And then just to see them all now turning on him and he's just wiping them out like nothing. It's just difficult. Now we know what he'll do given, you know, that situation mm-hmm. even though it's been erased yeah because i mean she chopped his arm off <laughs> 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 that's pretty bad uh then uh, a couple other random things about that uh, the last minute carrie hands them brainwave blocking headbands i thought man seems like that would have been planned earlier and talked about a little bit but that uh, whatever so that that was a cool that, that feels like it comes right out of the comics just put this on and he won't detect you right well it kind of helped you know in the because in the beginning we don't know that the first time that they come in and you're like how the hell can they just surprise him like that like just drop in and he doesn't know i mean he can read minds how can he not sense you know that they're closing in on him so then mm-hmm. we get that later like oh here you know i've got the our soldier guys here built that into their helmets make sure that you're wearing one or whatever it'll, it'll block block your thoughts and you're like oh so that's why he can't right. hear them or sense them so yeah i, I like that yeah that was another cool thing about the episode that with the time travel, we actually got to see that preparation for the battle that we had seen earlier. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty cool. Okay. Let's get into notes. Um, notes. Uh, I really liked, I'm curious about Sid's tattoo. She had a tattoo that said first and I'm curious. Well, if that- it said on one wrist, it said me, me and I think first, and then first me first. And I thought, I thought that might have meant I'm taking care of myself now. I Well, I, yeah, I think so. Because I think that she feels like she might have gotten too wrapped up in David. And yeah. th- and now Lost she's... Lost herself. Yeah, and then she was putting herself first. And I think that's kind of what she was telling him then in the finale, too. You know, she's like, mm-hmm. he's like, don't, he's like, baby, don't you trust me? And she's like, I trust myself more. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> yeah, and so that's I good. think she's like, and, me first. And even though, like, there's definitely a part of me that feels like the shadow King, maybe everything could have turned out fine. If there was no shadow King, there's another part that just wonders if David is just kind of toxic too, which I'm sure Noah Holly would love to hear me say that. Cause he wants us to not be sure. <laughs> yep. <laughs> He's definitely yeah. comfortable with um, the uncertainty. 
Yeah. Or at least making us be uncertain. (laughs) He's certain because he knows how it ends. (laughs) I mean, you know, I felt a little critical about this show at first because I thought it was a little bit style over substance. But I think it's been a really good exploration of psychosis and psychology and mind fuck and not quite having a handle on things and how sometimes things can seem a certain way and if you believe it enough they really are that way but if you get tripped up then they can you can get derailed and then it feels like it was always a lie you know Mm -hmm. so there's this point in time where you could continue on with something positive and it actually is totally real but if you had gotten tripped up then you would feel like no it was all a lie things like that because uh, it's a little uncomfortable sometimes to watch. <laughs> sometimes, yeah. Especially some things in season two. Mm-hmm. All right. Any other um, notes? Just a few. Um, I noticed that when Switch walked into the room right before Lenny came in, when she walked into the room, that giant clock that was right in front of her, the time was 11 11. I love that. Um, did you notice that? Or do you even have any? What does it mean? Well, I think it can mean different things to different people, but I think, pe- you know, some people see eleven eleven, and it's like they make a wish on that or it's supposed to be some kind oh, of like okay, okay. whimsical, you know, kind of meaning like, you know, when you see eleven eleven and like the date eleven eleven, um, mm-hmm. just all the ones. Yeah. So I noticed that um, I like the line. Uh, Why don't we have a time traveler? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a fair question. <laughs> I liked when um, Carrie or Patonomy robot Patonomy was like, why do I have a mustache? And he goes, oh, well, they had one, so I just thought. (laughs) It's kind of signify, well, all the robots around here have mustaches. I don't know. I love Uh, Carrie. He's like so just kind of awkward sometimes, and he's so adorable. I I love both Carries. Um, So I like that that line, and I thought, well, yeah, that's a fair question. Why don't don't you have one? Um, (laughs) Significant music cues of the week, because this show just blows me away when I think it can't anymore. It continuously does um, with with their music. So we talked already about something for your mind there in the beginning with Super Organism. Um, I loved the uh, end when they did the, it was another Noah Hawley, Jeff Russo remix um, of the Steve Miller band's Fly Like an Eagle. Mm. Loved that. Nice. Um, I liked, I thought it was interesting that you know, Switch can time travel, but she seems to have to pay a price for it. Do you notice she lost her tooth and how she kept favoring yeah. it throughout the episode? Yeah. So there's another limitation because, um, yeah, I guess Sid found it at the end there. Mm-hmm. Like she, you would see her sometimes like she would kind of touch it before she went through a doorway. And then the last time um, she kind of she touched it and then she kind of you could see like her, her tongue kind of run over that tooth yeah. and then Sid finds it there at the end it's like oh so she's kind of has a price to pay for the amount of times that she keeps looping back I guess or either either looping back or just time travel in, in general I'm not sure I, I'm guessing we'll probably learn more about that but it was kind of like oh gross I just ugh, it's just seeing a tooth being picked mm-hmm. up um, thought it was interesting of note that the director for this episode was Andrew Stanton He's an American film director, screenwriter, producer. Um, uh, he was based at Pixar. It, he joined in 1990. His work includes co-writing Pixar's A Bug, Bug's Life, Finding Nemo, and its sequel, Finding Dory, Wally, 
And he co-wrote all four Toy Story films and Monsters, Inc. And he has mm. directed no episodes of Legion before. So I thought it was really interesting because I felt like there was a little bit of Pixar flavor in hmm. in this episode. Yeah. And I thought it was... The spinning cup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he's talent. He's... Yeah. They get talent attracted to the show because it's so, so different. Yep. So that's all my notes. Okay. So the the whole please stand by pattern at the beginning, um, that was what used to appear on TVs when all the broadcasts has, was done for the day. You'd see please stand by and then be have this tone mm-hmm. back in the 60s and 50s. And I found out it was a pattern built into cameras, vacuum tubes to allow calibration and focus and adjustments, framing and contrast and stuff like that interesting and uh, i think the significance is just it's supposed to be like legion's been off the air and it's about to come back on (laughs) oh that makes sense i like that but then it it morphs please stand by morphs to bedtime is here which i don't know maybe putting the series to bed i don't know oh oh it's so sad (laughs) i hate this so i mean it's good but it's yeah i i'm so sad to see this series come to an end at the same time i just want more i mean we just we really don't deserve this show we just don't it's (laughs) (laughs) that's funny i wish yeah i i'm glad that he has an arc in mind and that he's gonna fulfill it Mm -hmm. the way he wants to i wish it was a five season arc but this is great too yep uh, I never understood before, or else we figured it out and I forgot, but what cornflake girl meant and why um, Lenny's called that. But yeah. I looked it up finally, and there's this song by Tori Amos. Cornflake girl. That was in season yeah. two. Yeah. And it and it's because they, you know, someone called her the queen of breakfast cereal or whatever this episode. So um, they always call her something cornflakes. And even um, Audrey, uh, Aubrey Plaza mm-hmm. did this whole asmr thing with cornflakes on youtube for like 45 minutes or something she's so great (laughs) but uh it was the song is about was inspired by something really horrible this practice of female genital mutilation in africa Mm -hmm. and where a close female family member would betray the victim by performing the procedure and Amos said that growing up, the name they gave girls who would hurt you despite close friendships was cornflake girls. Because, mm-hmm. like, there's the raisin girls, which are the good ones, and then the cornflake girls. And so Lenny's a cornflake girl. She's somebody who would hurt you despite your close friendship. I think that's what it means anyway. Yeah, I think we talked about that a little bit in season two when okay. they called her that. I think we kind of mm. dove into that a little bit about the meaning of the song or what. Tori Amos says, you know, that she felt was the meaning of that. And it, I think, made total sense given yeah. Lenny's character. Uh, another note Shadow King said something I thought was pretty sexist. He said, I had relations with a time traveler once, Geraldine. Is it true that you're always women? Pourquoi? Mm-hmm. Maybe it has something to do with regret, choices made and not made, opportunities missed. Yeah. What do you make of that? Well, I thought it was a little sexist, too. That's about all I could come up with. I was like, well, screw you. What you, yeah, try, men, what you men have to say? regret. Yeah. <laughs> An opportunity was, was interesting. He's an old-fashioned kind of guy. He's um, been around 2,000 years. <laughs> <laughs> I like that Carrie's now hungry all the time, and she used to, like, 
hate food, but she got a yeah. taste of cream soda. And now she's, she's like a child resisting at first. But then when she discovers what she likes, she compulsively wants it. Yeah. I thought that was really funny. Cause I thought oh, you hated all that stuff. You said Carrie has to do all the boring stuff like eating and whatever you guys do in right. the bathroom or whatever. <laughs> yeah. she said. Now she's like in the bathroom <laughs> pooping all the time. Uh, um, and then lastly, this is uh, a little bit spoilery for something coming up this season. Uh, character so if you don't want to hear that i would just skip ahead to the next segment Uh, we have chapters but it was also it'll also be just like a minute or something so um we know that harry lloyd who played viserys targaryen on game of thrones is coming on at least for one episode maybe more to play professor x (laughs) which is awesome david's father and I was wondering why they would have picked such a young guy, but now I'm wondering if it's going to be a time travel thing. I think you're right. Maybe, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I hope it's more than one episode. I hope that he's in at least a few. I, yeah. I feel like the story, you know, it's been teased so much. I know some folks have probably been able to remain unspoiled, not watched any kind of previews or really read, you know, what to expect. Um but I feel like that's been put out there enough that most folks probably know. And I, I feel like we kind of have to. I don't know that they're going to be able to tell enough story with him in it in just one episode. I feel like we at least need two. See. Yeah, hopefully. But I'm looking forward to it. I am too. All right. That's it for our coverage. We'll take a little break. There's more to come. Stay with us. I know you think I'm a psychopath. lurking in the Okay, so news about Legion that we have this week. We have a couple of items. First one we have is from The Hollywood Reporter. This is um, taken from an interview with Noah Hawley, a.k.a. God. Um, (laughs) Sorry, no. (laughs) He's my God. I worship at the altar of Noah Hawley. So Noah Hawley somehow... He should start a cult. He, I would be... uh, Sign me up. I, I will drink the blue juice. I'll suck the tea of a giant pig. Whatever he asks. <laughs> I love this guy. <laughs> he can do no wrong. Um, but Noah Hawley somehow found time for yet another journey. Because we know he's like the busiest guy in Hollywood. I don't know that people know that or not, but he's like so busy. Um, so he, he finds time for one last trip through the mind of David Holler based on Marvel's relatively obscure X-Men comic book of the same name. He says, I'm not really sure how we managed it, um, he says about rapping Legion. Uh, He says, I was editing the movie while I was creating this. I do feel like it ends for me the way it was meant to end. It feels like a really strong proof of concept, taking something that can be whimsical, dramatic, slightly horrifying character-driven genre piece and using it as a mediation on mental illness and the abuse of power and all of the other things it's probably about. He's, that's all that really sums it up it, boils it down exactly that's that's why he's genius he says the show becomes about parenting and the idea we have to raise our kids the right way we have to give them a moral center and we have to teach them about restraint responsibility and the way they interact with other people 
He says there's always a moment in Fargo, his other show, if you guys have not heard of that, which is wonderful. He says there's always a moment in Fargo where the worst person on the show says, I'm the victim here. He says with David, there's a similar mentality and narcissism and a sense of entitlement. He has this mantra now. I'm a good person and I deserve love. He uses it to justify a lot of behavior that's just not good behavior. He sees himself on some level as above morality because of what he suffered. He believes he is, by definition, a moral person, so everything he does is therefore moral. I think it's worth an exploration. Historically, much of the audience of this material is young men and boys, adolescents and older, and it's important to have conversations about the power men have and the responsible use of it and the things they feel entitled to and they take for granted. You have to have those conversations out loud. Um, he says, if we're rooting for the love story with David and Sid, but that love story starts to come apart in season two, and there's a moment where he erases her memories to buy himself time so he can be with her. But in doing so, he removes her consent, and then he goes to her in the night. There's a part of the audience who wants this love story to work, so maybe they're okay with it, all the way to the point where she basically says, you drugged me and had sex with me. Then the audience goes, oh, shit. Right. That was not good. <laughs> That's immoral behavior. You're presenting your audience with these challenges about rooting for this character and also seeing the behavior clearly. And he says, if I've done my subjective job right, you've been in David's mind for this whole time. And now at the end of the second season, you've realized he's an unreliable narrator. Um he talks a little bit about Switch in the introduction of her. He says the reason why the third season starts with an entirely new character for the first 20 minutes is we're now creating an objective way into the story. The first time you see David now in season three is through someone else's eyes. It's not subjective anymore. This guy's proven to be an unreliable narrator. We're looking at him from the outside now rather than from the inside. Mm. It's not to say that we won't go back to his point of view, but I feel it was important to switch the point of view for the audience. Interesting. I know. <laughs> Yeah, that's it's good. Even though kind of through podcasting, we we came to that. It's gratifying to hear him say pretty much the same things that we conclusions that we reached. Yep. About, you know, I mean, even just this episode, I was saying I bet he would be happy to hear me say that (laughs) I wasn't sure if David was bad the whole time. And that's what he's kind of saying. Oh, yeah, he's an unreliable narrator. Yep, absolutely. You are right on the nose. So we have a second item from Collider. This is taken uh, from an interview with Dan Stevens, who plays uh, David Holler. They ask him, how does it feel to do the last season of the show and have to say goodbye to this character? He says, it's a real privilege in a way. I'm extremely proud of having been a part of something so uniquely weird. The fact that we managed to get three seasons is a wonderful thing. Noah always pitched it to me as a three season story arc. Obviously, we weren't allowed to say that at the beginning because everybody in this age feels like things should run and run. But to have a story with a beginning, middle, and end that's so uniquely crafted is something that I feel uh, will exist out there. I wouldn't be intimidated to take on a three-season show and be like, somebody told me about the show Legion, so I'll give that a go if it was like 19 seasons. And I'd be like, (laughs) ugh, I'm not going to watch that. (laughs) And one season would not be enough. So we're going to have 26 chapters of this thing, and I'm just so happy to have been a part of it with a uniquely weird and talented bunch of people behind it. Wait, 26 chapters? That means there's only seven. I'm confused. (laughs) He he might be wrong. He maybe he's wrong. I don't know, but I'm telling you, there's eight episodes. Okay. IMDb says so. <laughs> I wonder if uh, you know. IMDb, yeah, it does say chapter twenty-seven. IMDb isn't always right. It's not always right, but I'm relying on it for today. Oh, chapter twenty-seven. Yeah, that would be eight. All right, we'll see. Mm-hmm. 
So they go on to say, in the comics, the nature of David's condition would change. Does it feel like he's consistently in the same condition or has it progressed? Dan Stevens says, I would say it has progressed. In some of the comics, sometimes it's multiple personality disorder. Sometimes it's paranoid schizophrenia. Sometimes it's something else. Ultimately, it's none of those things because he's a mutant and his mind has been occupied by Amal Farouk. I believe medical science has not got a name for exactly what that is, but medical science doesn't really have a name for a lot of things that are not too dissimilar. That's part of the point. Doctors are going to call David's condition all sorts of things, but it's none of them. We get to be playful with some of those symptoms and really just produce some of the experience of some of those things. The more David understands his own condition and his own makeup, our appreciation of what's up with him changes, and narratively it changes as well. We start to see more of what's inside. Going from season one, it just seemed to be this guy who was really having a tough time mentally but now we get to really dig inside and bring some of that out. And I get to bring some of that out as well, which makes for a playful narrative as well. Cool. Um, so yeah, that's about it out of that one. I Really great interviews. If mm-hmm. anyone wants to see them, you know, I'll post the full interviews, but they do go on quite a lot. Um, I'm happy to share those um, because they're really great, um, complete interviews with Noah Hawley and Dan Stevens both. Yeah. Yeah. Really like both of those. Yeah. And when you say you'll post it, that's on Facebook, facebook.com slash Legion pod. That's where we get your comments before each episode or after each episode that we might read during the podcast. And then sometimes Rima posts interesting stuff on there about the show. I think it's interesting. Anyway, you guys might not like it so much, but I hope you do. (laughs) Yeah, it's cool. All right. Speaking of listener feedback, we didn't get a lot this week, but we did get a couple things. We call this section Mental Notes, and our one written note comes from Matthew J. Morrison, who says about the episode, amazing. I love the show so much. I have no idea what's happening, but I can't stop watching, and I want more. (laughs) (laughs) That's... That's, I see that written so much. Like, I don't know what the hell I'm watching, but I just I know, know I want more is, of it. I love it. <laughs> it's so good. I just can't ever describe this show enough to people who've never watched it. They're like, really? Well, what's yeah. it about? And I'm like, oh, shit. Just I know. here. Just sit I'm down like, and watch it. It, it. I'm like, it's great. You watch it and you, and you feel like you're schizophrenic. And they're like, oh. But they, <laughs> no, but it's it, really good. I know. They think that sounds really weird. Like, why would you want to feel that way? But I'm like, you do when you watch it. You want to. <laughs> Okay, I, and we have one call. It's from Steve Brown, and I'm going to play it right now. This is Colt. Yes. <laughs> Hello, Legion Cast. This is Steve, and uh, just had a, a few quick notes because I, I was watching this for the second time. I started jotting out even more notes and thought I'm going to run way long, so I'm cutting it off. Uh, where Where does this take place in the three years later? that we saw in the last episode of season two with Melanie and Oliver, or was that three years later, just a a MacGuffin or a whatever, something to throw us off. But it just, that puzzled me at first because, you know, I rewatched season two and that last episode starts with a little three years later with Melanie and Oliver in his ice cube mindscape. And they're talking about that the world has already ended and then here we are uh, at this point where that hasn't happened yet. So just figured trying to think of where that, where this episode or where we're at in that timeline. And uh, David's looking for a time traveler. David needs love. Uh, gosh, uh, Squirrel, the alchemist. <laughs> he gets hooked. <laughs> that was great. Um, 
is David, are, do you think there's more people in his circle that are superpowered or is it just him? It, it, I wasn't sure about that. Uh, and I absolutely loved the callback to the cornflake queen being Lenny. If I hadn't rewatched season two, I probably would have totally forgot that, that when the blonde girl says the cornflake queen, and then later they say the breakfast cereal queen is coming. I, uh, I would have totally forgot about that, but I'm so glad to rewatch season two and get that. So I, I just love uh, the show is back and it's got me confused, but I uh, can't wait to see how they wrap it up. Talk to you later. <laughs> confused, but I love it. That's mm. what everyone says. I don't know how long the time was between season two. I'm guessing at least a handful of months. Um, yeah, we look- don't really know, but it's enough time for him to sort of set up this group as a cult and right. I assume it's before the the three years. But I also feel like that three-year thing was just a way to get Oliver and Melanie to have a happy ending. And I think we probably won't see them again. No, I don't. I, so. I think that that was a way to kind of write them off. And that was our goodbye to them. Mm-hmm. I was kind of wondering if this was going to be a big mutant cult. But I think the only ones we know for sure that have powers are David and Switch. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's others, but I don't think Lenny does. Uh, she's got no. Amy consciousness inside her, maybe. So that might be sort of weird. <laughs> yeah. But he mentioned the blonde girl. I forgot to mention that back... The other Janine. The episode, yeah, that that <laughs> uh, featured Lenny and she and her. they had their like hot lesbian sex scene. And then later she comes out patting her belly and says... You, expecting a prince yeah or, no. I, and that was it was suggested that it was going to be their child and you're like huh how did that happen but now it's they're calling her the pregnant virgin who's penis been free penis for 25 free. years <laughs> <laughs> so i don't yeah that's a big question i have what the fuck is going on there hmm, interesting yeah and well and if, if that's true if she somehow conceived in that moment from season two and she looks like she could potentially give birth at any moment. She looked pretty heavy with child. It could be maybe eight or nine months. Yeah. You know, after that, I guess that could establish a timeline if that's, you know, we'll say that. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to go with that. (laughs) I love that. The Lenny cornflake, when they were talking about the cornflake queen or queen of breakfast, and I was thinking Lenny queen of breakfast, froster of flakes, first of her name. I don't know. (laughs) Just, it's, I love Lenny. She's mm-hmm. such a great character. She was smoking ass hot in that like jumpsuit thing that she was wearing too. She's, She's all, so oh, great. Oh, are you are you a swinger? No, Switch I hitter? Like men. Why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> She's been penis free too. <laughs> she hasn't though. That's a thing. Nope. Uh, all right. Now we're just gonna we're going a little long, but I thought it would be cool just to say a couple things that we're hoping for this season. What's like the main couple of things that you're hoping for? I, well, what am I hoping for? Um, I kind of want to find out what's up with the robots. That's kind of a lame one, but it just, it's sticking Mm. in my brain. Um, I'm really curious. Will we see David become Legion world killer? Me too. You know, are, because are, are they going to go there? Suggest multiple personalities. That's why he's called that because there's uh-huh. a legion of people inside him. And in the comic, as I've said on this podcast before, probably each one of those has a different power. I don't think we're going to see exactly that, but we did Maybe see not. that vision last uh, year of 
him with Lenny at his feet and his hair spiked up with his tracksuit or whatever. Yes, he looked very much, I thought was amazing because he looked very much more like the comic character than he ever yeah. had in this show. And I know that this show is loosely based. I know that they take we'll different characters that, sure. or, you know, but that was, I, I just think, you know, will he really fulfill this destiny? Um, but I do feel like they're kind of exploring that Legion part because they called him that in season two. Yeah. That's the first time we ever heard that uttered aloud. The show's called Legion. We see it every week. But Oh, what did the, I don't remember that part anymore. Melanie called him that whenever she was showing Sid um, when oh, yeah. David Legion was torturing killer. Yeah, she right. says Legion, yeah. world killer, and she calls him that. And then we've we've seen that, like you said, that vision of him holding this crystal ball looking thing, um, and his hair spiked in that jumpsuit, and it looks like a pregnant Lenny writhing on the ground and being all weird. Um so I'm curious if we'll go there. And I feel like we got a little peek at that, that little Scottish version of him when Switch starts to open that door and he's gathering the tea when he come when he's getting mm -hmm. ready to come out to her. I mean, we've seen, we saw that in the end of season two as well, when he had these different versions of himself, mm -hmm. you know, talking to him, arguing with him. So I'm wondering if yeah. we'll get a little taste of that. I think that's super fun. Um, and I just, the ending, I just want it, it doesn't have to be a happy ending but I want it to be a satisfying one. Now, I don't know what the hell is going to happen. I feel like I can't predict what Noah Hawley will do or what, what journey he'll take us on, but I'm okay with it um, not being happy. I just want it to be satisfying. Mm. So that's it. That, those are my big things. I actually, I hope that we would get a happy ending. That would be subverting my expectations. <laughs> But yeah. I really would not bet anything on that, not even $5, because I'm totally expecting a tragedy, and I'm I'm ready for that. So, mm -hmm. And I'll be happy with that, too, because I love this show, and I just have had a sense for so long that that's where it's headed. But with all the downer TV lately, you know, and I mean, it, I, I kind of, I'm a little sad because we got to see David so mentally off balance in season one and mm -hmm. then he got rid of Farouk and then for a while there it seemed like oh this is like so nice they're that they're in their white room him and Sid and yeah. they had, you know it just seemed like he was really together and centered and connected and now it's all trashed and <laughs> so now yeah. we're on like the the come down and Noah Holly knows how to make that really fun and a great experience, even when terrible things are happening. So I'm ready for it, but there is definitely a part of me that just wishes that they could be happy together. So um, that's not going to happen. <laughs> no, I don't. There, he's going to destroy me. Cause I, I, yeah. I mean, I, I totally get the whole thing with what he did with Sid. So I just feel like that's going to completely prevent them from mm -hmm. getting back together or ever having a reconciliation or things being, you know, the same that they were before. I have a feeling it might be a little bit of a bittersweet ending. Maybe. maybe. Yeah. Yeah. You're probably right. I mean, I'm always trying to figure out if a show. Well, let me start that over. I'm most impressed when I feel like a show is true to itself. Mm -hmm. So f I've said this a few times, but Game of Thrones, I feel like is well established as a lot of cruelty and getting you to hope for something and then pulling the rug out. Mm -hmm. And so I would have been critical of that show if 
the last season had been all nice and it wasn't. Um, and I thought that was perfect for the show. In other examples, if, if there's a dumb comedy and it's just a dumb comedy, I'm like, yeah, I'm on board with that. If I'm laughing, that's great. But mm-hmm. shows that really are ambitious and try to do something big and fail, then I'm kind of critical of it. Like, oh, it didn't really work. For for Legion, I could see them pulling off a happy ending and making it work for the show. I don't think they're going to do that, but I think Noah Hawley could do it if he wanted to and make it work and it wouldn't feel like a cop out. I don't know. I could be wrong about that, but that's just I, my feeling. I mean, I feel like this guy is the magic man. They, David yeah, calls himself right. the magic man. I feel like yeah. Noah Hawley is the magic man. So I feel like this guy can pull off anything. He impresses me at every <laughs> right. turn. Seriously. I'm just, yeah. I love him every, every time. Yeah. I think I, I I'm, I'm, we're on the same way. I mean, he just knows how to do it with style and intelligence that he could just do whatever and it would work. Yep. <laughs> it almost seems like that. All right. We're fawning way too much. So yep. I know. No, Holly it. needs to start spreading the bucks around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks for all the love. All right, that is our show, episode 20. Thanks for listening, everybody. Glad yeah, to be back. I know. I'm so, it's been so long, and I'm so happy the show is back. Yeah. So if you guys want to get in touch with us, write, ask questions, comments that we'll read on the podcast, you can email or you can send a voice message to, to us at legion at podcastica.com. You can find us on the web at facebook.com slash legionpod. And be sure to check out our other shows at podcastica.com. Strange Indeed, which Rima hosts with Sean, is about to start covering Stranger Things. Stranger Things comes back next week. I know, season three. Yeah, lots of exciting TV getting ready to happen here. Yep. And also, check out baldmove.com, too. They are the best. They, They cover so many shows so intelligently with wit and style and... I'm always in awe of those guys. And next week, uh, we're going to be fortunate enough to have Aaron with us for the rest of the season. So that's going to be super fun. Yeah, I can't wait. All right. That's our show. Thanks for listening. And don't forget, the basket is watching. <laughs>